Episode 158 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the German tennis star Michael Stich, just nine months after he won the 1991 Wimbledon men's singles title. He would go on to be the singles runner-up at the US Open in 1994 and the French Open in 1996, and the men's doubles champion at both Wimbledon and the Olympic Games in 1992. His career-high singles ranking was world number two in 1993. He retired after Wimbledon in 1997. But when I met him in Munich in the spring of 1992, Michael was still coming to terms with winning the biggest tournament in tennis. Michael, after you won Wimbledon, everybody said your life would change irreparably. Has it changed a great deal? It has changed. I mean, a lot of things has changed. The pressure is much bigger now. I'm in the top five of the world for the last eight months or nine months, and you always expected to win, and that's that's something that's pretty tough. But I mean, rather than that, I think uh, I try to stay the normal person or the person I was before, and uh, I still have the same friends, and that's very important. A lot of people say it's not you that changes, it's the people around <coughs> you. Would you say that's happened? I said that, I mean, always the people always said that you change when you have a big success like that and you do things differently than you did before. And I realized that it's just the people around you changing the most because they treat you like the Wimbledon chairman instead of treating you like the person who you are. And that's, I mean, that's something that people should try to think of, that they try to behave the same way they did before. Is that difficult when people are starting to be terribly nice to you and perhaps before they weren't? Do you kind of feel a bit resentful almost? I'm not in too much interested in these people who started being nice when they were like idiots before. So I don't, I mean, I still have the same friends and I know which people I can trust and who I can talk to, and that's very important for me. Did you suddenly have loads of people getting on the telephone to you, offering their help and all sorts of things? No, it's, it's, uh, that was okay after that time when I have my management group that take a lot of pressure off me and they help me a lot. For sure, there are a lot of people who want to do something with me, but that was uh, okay after one. How prepared were you for a massive change in your life like this? I think you can't be prepared. I mean, it's something you work for, you want to reach, success you want to have. But when it happens, I mean, it's just changing a lot of things, but you can't, you can't uh, plan how to behave or what to do when it happens. In the tennis world, you're obviously a very respected and known player, but amongst the sort of general public, not many people knew who you were before Wimbledon. Did that help you a great deal, take the pressure off you? Yeah, I mean, I I played well in Paris. It was the first time when I played well in a big tournament. And after that, people realized, okay, there is somebody who's playing good, but maybe it was just an accident that he played well. And I knew I ha- had a good chance to to get to the semis or to win Wimbledon even. And for sure, it helped me that the people were looking on Courier after winning the French, on Edberg, on Becker, some other guys who were expecting to win it, even Isovic Sampras, all these guys. And... I mean, I was very lucky in the match against Volkov, so that was near the end, and then I made it. But it helped me for sure. I mean, all through the all through the, to the finals, I was always the guy who was uh, outsider and was not expected to win. But now, of course, you are expected to win. Are you aware of that all the time when you're playing now that people expect you to win? I mean, for sure. But I expect it of myself too. So uh, I mean, you see yourself on the on the draw. You're first or second seeded or third seeded. That means you have to reach the semi-finals for yourself. I mean, there are a lot of players you have to beat when you're playing well. And that's something you want to do and you have to do. I mean, there are always going to be bad weeks when you play bad, when you lose against guys you normally win. 
but uh, it's not the pressure that you... I mean, a lot of people think that you have to defend your points. You made a lot of points in a special tournament. It's just, if you want to stay on the top, you have to make a lot of points. It doesn't matter where you make them, just as long as you make them. But do you worry terribly that you may never be able to emulate the success of Wimbledon again, or are you very confident that you can? I think I did. I mean, I, I won Wimbledon after that. I played the quarterfinals at the US Open. I played the quarters at the Australian Open. And, okay, I, I didn't have had a win after Wimbledon yet. I mean, a big win, Grand Slam. But, uh, I mean, look at Edberg. He won the US Open, then he lost in the, in the Australian Open backer. I mean, it always ends up when you have a good day you can beat everybody when you maybe just have a bad day it, it's uh, it's not working too good but so, I mean I'm not afraid of playing the big tournaments I know I can win them and uh, I just try to pay, prepare as good as I can uh, Before Wimbledon 91 with all respect you hadn't really won you hadn't won a Grand Slam you hadn't really come close to winning a Grand Slam why the sudden upsurge in your career why did you suddenly pick up a few gears I don't know. It's uh, with my career. It was like I always had a special tournament where I started to play better, just getting more confidence, or just something happened that made you play better and believe more in yourself. For sure, the French Open helped me a lot. I mean, to play well there, I had a good draw. I didn't play too many great players, and I just made it to the semifinals. And after that, I knew I I could play well. And playing in Hamburg before beating Stefan Edberg the first time, beating the number one player, knowing that you can beat also the good players and that helped me a lot and in Wimbledon I was lucky but also I just believed in myself and knew I, I could do it because it's also my favourite surface. Do you worry that perhaps you're not going to be as inspired as, as sort of motivated as before because you've already won the big one? It's always going to be a problem I, f I think for all the players out there I mean for me I just won one Grand Slam so there's three more I like to win but I mean, you you reach everything you can reach, maybe in your in your career, and I'm like on top five for nine months now. Going to be there for maybe two more years, I hope. And then you just think about what you're doing it for. I mean, there are also other things in life you can do. It's a lot of fun. It's your hobby. You do as your job. But uh, I mean, there comes a time when I think just the motivation, just to to win it again and to win it again, it's just not enough. You want to do something else. You want to improve, and. Uh, there's going to be time when you can't improve anymore, I think. Was this a childhood dream to win Wimbledon? I didn't think about becoming a professional until I was 18 or 19. I, mean, I never thought about it. I was playing tennis and I enjoyed playing tennis, but I was never working hard or something like that. So, I mean, seeing it on the television, like Borg winning Wimbledon or Becker when he won in 85, it's not, it's not a dream. I mean, it's too far away. Then when you go out there the first time yourself and playing the first round match and losing maybe or winning... It's like oh, you're part of it. I mean, you're just competing in, 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 in Wimbledon. But last year changed a bit. I mean, I had I had a good start of the year, played very well, and uh, then your ambitions are also changing. I mean, you want to do well, and it's not enough just to win two rounds. I mean, you want to win the tournament. That's every time I go and play a tournament, I want to win it. And uh, it's always a kind of a dream, but you also work very hard for it. And so it's a bit surprising, but for yourself, I mean, you put a lot, a lot of effort in it and wanted to reach it. I thought your early dream was more to win the German Football League than to win the Wimbledon Championships. I played both at the same time. I played soccer and tennis at the same time until I was 18. And then I just decided to stick with tennis. I mean, I loved football and it was a great sport. And I played with my two brothers in one team and I enjoyed it a lot. But tennis was more my kind of sport because you just have to take responsibility for yourself when you're out there on the court. Just what, everything you do is just for yourself and there's nobody else you can blame when you're playing bad or when you're playing good and that 
what I think made me decide for tennis. You mentioned your brothers. If we can talk about your family, were you from a sporting background originally? Yeah, my two brothers are older than me, and uh, they've always played soccer and always played tennis and volleyball and, and all that kind of stuff. And my parents started playing tennis late, but they also, they, I mean, they brought me out to, to the tennis courts and played with me the first times. And it was, I mean, there was competition when you have two older brothers. You always try to be better than, than them. When you're getting, like, about 12 or 13, you always try to do better. And that was that helped for sure a lot. Were your parents professional sports no, people? No, no. My mother is Gertrud. Just uh, tried to get along with his three kids. <laughs> and uh, my father, Detlef, is working now for a company in Hamburg. And my two brothers are studying. Or one study finished now working with computers, both of them. Thorsten is 30 and Andreas is 25. And... Uh, yeah, it's just uh, they did sports, all kind of sports, just f- just for fun, and that's what what helped me to grow up. I think when you just do everything for fun and just enjoy it, then it just shows you that it's really a game, and that you really just go out there and try to enjoy. It. Mm-hmm. So you're the youngest. Yeah. What was that like being the youngest? Was that was sometimes being the younger brother is not always much fun. It's fun because you get treated very well by your parents, <laughs> but it's not so much fun because you get treated sometimes pretty bad by your brothers. But uh, you learn a lot. I mean, that's a great thing to have. I mean, my two brothers are two different personalities, and I learned a lot from both of them, and I'm just something in the middle, so it helped me a lot. They often say that the youngest is the most motivated because they get very put upon by the elder brothers, and they sort of become very ambitious. Was that the case with you? Yeah, it was. I mean, like I said, when you when you compete in sports and you go out with your brother who's seven years older than me and play tennis and he's 18 and you're 12, something like that, or 11, and you just try to beat him and you just try to put a bit more in there than you would normally do when you have a brother that's a bit younger maybe and uh, that helped me a lot and when I was getting older it was the same in soccer I always tried to be better than them and it was fun and it just uh, gave you the extra motivation maybe Did they give you a hard time as a child? Were you quite bullied? Oh, I I really can't remember I think they were pretty fair mm. So what sort of a childhood did you have? Did you have a very sort of normal upbringing or was it a very sport orientated upbringing? No, it was very normal. I mean, my parents never forced me to do something like said, you have to go to tennis or you have to do this. I mean, everything I did, uh, I decided myself to do it. And uh, I also decided myself to, to finish school and just to do that. And then to go and practice for tennis and stuff like that. And there was n- no pressure at all for, for me to do anything or to, to reach certain kinds. Mm-hmm. But were your parents very encouraging then to get you into sports or did they think it was a bad thing? I think my mother was always, she always wanted me to go to university and to mm. study and just have a normal life. Mm. And my father, I mean, I think it's a great thing for the parents also to see that you do something special, but it's also very tough for parents to treat then all the, all the kids the same. I mean, my two brothers are just studying or they're just studying, just having a normal job, mm. what, is, what I like something to, sometimes to have. But then it's tough. I mean, everything is going around tennis and we're talking mm. about tennis and stuff like that. And they have to get you, or they had to get used to it, and just try to to figure it out. But now I think it's it's pretty good. Were you very single-minded as a child, thinking I just want to go into sport, I don't want to do anything else? No, not at all. I mean, I just loved the sport. And doesn't matter what kind of sport, mm. and I just enjoyed it as a game, mm. and that's what I still try to do. I mean, it's still a game, and it's still what I love to do. It's not it's not so much a business or whatever. I mean, if you go out there and just enjoy the game, then you're playing good tennis. If you just go out there and say, okay, I have to earn $100,000, I have to get some points, then you can't play good tennis. And that's what a lot of guys do out there. I mean, it's just for the money or just for the fame or whatever. And 
as long as you do it for the fun, for the game, then I think it's the most important thing. Were you a bit of a TV sports addict as a child? You mean watching watching all kind of sports? I was very I mean I was very interested in soccer, obviously. I mean watching every Saturday afternoon the Bundesliga and tennis and, and athletics and stuff like that. I was very interested in that and it just uh, I mean you always have I mean people in sports you look up to. I mean for me it was Connors in tennis and some guys in soccer like Franz Beckenbauer you remember and stuff like that. And that just gives you also the motivation to go out there and just try to do the same. Did you dream of playing for any particular football team one day? No. I mean, it was just great sport to to do because it was a team sport. I mean, it was like when you were playing bad, some other guys could help you out. I mean, totally different from tennis now. And it was just fun. And at the end, when I kept on playing also tennis, I was not too interested in winning. It didn't matter to me if I win or if I lose. It was just having the fun and just enjoying it, being out there with some other guys you you like and just uh, enjoying it, playing the game. Did you ever have any feeling when you were young that you might be somebody very special one day? No. I mean, I think you can't You can't have that. You, I mean, you have friends, they're all doing, you go into school and you do all the same things and there's always coming a time, I think, when in your life when it just goes a different direction. I mean, some guys just getting maybe mathematics genius or whatever and some other guys just go to sport but I think you just get that to know when you're getting about 16, 17 it was, it was with me and um, some other people get forced to do certain things I mean, especially in sports especially in America it's the biggest thing to be very good in sports because you can earn a lot of money and you get forced into that so it's, I don't know if it's your own decision when you get with 14 you have to go to an academy just practice tennis 6 hours a day you might become good but maybe it's not because you really want to, to do it just because some other people want you to, to do it. So you didn't have an old grandmother somewhere telling you, you will one day... <laughs> no, no, never. <laughs> so when did you first realise that you had a special gift for sport? I, I never realised it. I mean, I just kept on playing and there were, like a tournament in 86 when I won the German Junior Championship, there was a tournament where I just started playing better just by, I don't know how it came, but just that tournament I started to play well much better than I did before and then people came up to me and said oh you have to become professional you have to try it and I said I mean I want to finish my school and then I can still try it if it doesn't work I go to university or do something else but it was me when I do something I just try to take make the best out of it and after I finished school I said okay now I tried for two years and try to make the best and I was very lucky also at the beginning I won the German satellite right away I won another two challenges and after five months, I was about 120 in the world. So I was very lucky as well. And a lot of things happen at the same time, just make it happen that I've reached the level I'm, I'm playing on right now. When you were at school, did you beat everybody in sight or did you ever lose? There were no, not one of my friends played tennis. So I was the only one and I never had a comp- competition with my friends or with the guys in school. So I always played with, with my family. I had with the with the team members in the club. So your brothers are quite reasonable tennis players. I play okay. I'm playing for fun. I enjoy the game. Have they ever beaten you? I think so. I think the brother, 25, he still remembers that he beat me the last time we played, but that's a long time ago. <laughs> he keeps reminding you, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> when you transferred from football into tennis, that's a major skip from a team sport into an individual sport, as you've said. What was that like going from a team sport to just working for yourself, as it were? When I played soccer, it was like I was always the center of the team. It was like I tried to try to 
uh, stick with the guys, try to hold the team together and just make make a real team out, out of it. And when I went to tennis, it was like having the feeling that you're just responsible for yourself. I mean, you can't blame anybody else when you're doing something wrong. It's just you, maybe the chair umpire, or, but that's it. And that was was very important for me just to to build my character, my personality, just to say, okay, if you do something wrong, it's just you, it's nobody else, and you just have to blame yourself. And that uh, what, yeah, was what was important for me. Uh, you're a very cool personality now. I mean, Bjorn Borg was like this as well when he was at the top. But when he first started, he was very temperamental and gave the umpires a lot of problems. Were you like that when he first started? I was, yeah. I was very bad. <laughs> very bad behavior on the tennis court, and I was always screaming and shouting and throwing my rackets around, and I was uh, pretty bad. Why, Michael? Was that because you were getting you know, under a lot of pressure very early on, or what was it? That was just angry because you couldn't make it any further? I think that was it. I mean, maybe inside yourself you have the feeling you can do better than you do, and you just don't do enough to to, to make it happen. And mm. um, I always played well, and I always beat a couple of guys, but in the juniors I always lost against the same guys. Every single time I lost against three or four guys, I couldn't beat them, and I, I didn't understand why I can't, because I played the same tennis, I didn't play worse or something like that. And then you just get frustrated and maybe just disappointed with yourself, just knowing you can do better. And I think after the years, you just realize you have to concentrate on what you do. And when you put the best effort in it, make hard, work hard for that, what comes out there is just like uh, the best you can do. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not good enough maybe, but that's the way it is. What was the worst thing you ever did when you were behaving badly on court? The worst thing, and my uncle tells me that story, the worst thing I did once when I lost, I didn't shake hands with my opponent. And that was, that and doesn't that, sound and too bad. And, and that time it was not too bad for me, but mm. I think on the tennis court it's about the worst thing you can do because it just shows that you're not able to lose. It just shows that you're not able to be on the tennis court and to behave in a proper way. I think it's okay when you start shouting and screaming at the chair umpire and stuff like that because you just have to get rid of your aggressions. And he's the only guy you can you can talk to. I mean, you can shout to your opponent, but that's not the right way to do it. And um, it's like, it has to be. I mean, it makes it also interesting. I think it would be boring if everybody, everybody would just be quiet and just very cool and relaxed on the court. I mean, the spectators have nothing to see. I mean, John McEnroe is... I mean, they like him because he's just getting angry and just shouting at the chair umpire. And there are certain things you shouldn't say, but just to get aggressive and just to pump up yourself. I think that's, that's okay, and that's part of the game. happens in every kind of sport. Was there anyone in particular <coughs> who pulled you together, who made you get your act together? It was Mark Lewis, my coach right now. I mean, he, is, he just showed me how to work, I mean, very professional, just to make the... I mean, I was, I'm not a guy who likes to practice a lot. I mean, if I practice, I practice two or three hours, just do some running or fitness. But on the court, I just like to play. And uh, there were coaches I had who tried to work with me for five or six hours a day and I just I mean just got bored after two and a half hours I didn't see a reason why I should do it because it was no fun anymore I mean to play the 200 times the forehand cross court I mean that's not my kind of game and he just showed me to practice two or three hours but very very intense and very professional and I mean that helped me a lot also in a match when I go out and I know I can play and I just like to play my game but I have to do it very intense and very, very professional for two hours, and then, then I can play good. It's often said that uh, professional sportsmen don't have a normal upbringing. Were you aware that you had to sort of do other things as well, other than play sports? If you don't do that, I mean, you see a lot of guys who just uh, left school with 14 or 15, just were sent to an academy, just practice every day. And for me, the most important thing I did in my life was finishing my school. 
just to build my personality, to, to build my character and to make sure that I'm getting a personality myself and I'm not going to be made by other people. There's so many people in sports who are made by management groups, by the press, by whatever. And there comes a time, I think, when when they realize that, when they're going out there and just said, oh, Agassi or whoever, just made by Boletari or just made by I don't know whom. And then you just say, it, it's me. I mean, I'm I'm the person and I want to be myself. And then you just try to break out maybe and just... Uh, try to figure out who re- who you really are and just uh, do that yourself and then then it's getting very tough because you don't normally don't get help from from anybody mm. what other things did you like outside of sports when you were a youngster uh, I hated school <laughs> now I, right now I mean I, I when I was at school I just did sport every time I mean I finished school and at about noon and then I went to the tennis course it's soccer or whatever but I like to listen to music very much and I like to read when I have the time but uh, were you a bit of a raver? Did you go out to nightclubs and misbehave no, and things? Not at all. I was not. I mean, there was nothing for me. I just going out to disco or something like that. I was uh, not too much interested in that. So you didn't have to make many sacrifices when you started <coughs> taking tennis very seriously, then. No, I mean, I didn't have to give up too many things. It was. I mean, you have to give up a lot of things. It's like you have to give up your family when you, you know, when you move away, when you travel out. You have to give up a lot of friends. You can't take care of so much as you like to do it and uh, that's pretty tough when you get a lot of things back for that I mean you can travel and you can see a lot of the world but when you do that for two or three years it's getting boring because you know every place where you're going to you know every city you know every plane you know every airline so it's getting pretty boring after a while and uh, then it's just getting most of it it's just getting a job and it's not not the hobby anymore it's, it's a real job you said that you didn't necessarily have anyone to explain to you what would happen do you wish you had? Do you wish you'd been given more advice when you were young? No, not at all. I think uh, when you have that, when you can plan everything that comes, then, then you can't enjoy it as much as you have to do it. I mean, winning Wimbledon, if somebody would have told me, okay, you win Wimbledon, uh, I would have said, okay, f- no, and it's boring. I know I'm winning Wimbledon. You said, Wimbledon, okay, so it's boring? Yeah, no, it's it's boring to know it. I mean, it's just, that makes a difference. If, if you go out there and know, and you, it happens, I mean, you just you just can't believe it yourself, and then... That what makes it so enjoyable to play tennis. I mean, it's like when soccer, when you know 10 games before the season finishes, you know your team is champion. I mean, the last 10 games are just boring. You don't know what you do it for. Just do it for your fans or just for fun. But you know that you, you won it already. So in tennis, it's it's always open to the last point, till you made the last point, And that's what makes it so enjoyable. When you turned professional, what were your ambitions? What were your thoughts <laughs> about your career? And my goal was just to to reach the top hundred and to play to play good tennis and to be able to say after I finished playing tennis maybe that I did the best I can to be happy with what I did and the way I did it and I, right now I mean I can say it already I think I tried I try I made the best out of it I can and I tried to do it for a couple of more years and then I just can say okay you won a couple of tournaments you won Wimbledon that well, that's something nobody can take away from you anymore and. I mean, that's the most important thing, to, to stop playing tennis when you really know you played your best tennis and just finish it. How much of an inspiration was Boris Becker and his win in 1985? Uh, nothing at all for me. I mean, it was it was a great thing to happen for the German tennis, and for sure all the German players got some help from the Fed Tennis Federation. It was more money coming in, and the German tennis was getting on top again with Boris and Steffi as well. And that helped German tennis players as well. But it was always said, like, you can't become a top player because we have Boris. 
mm. and a lot of players believed in that they said okay it's Boris and then somewhere it's us and that's not the way it is I mean you always can try to do the best you want to do and it doesn't matter if you have number one number two number three in the world or from your country you can still be number four and still become number one and that's what what helped me I mean I just tried to go out there and play for myself and not play for Boris or play for the German tennis or whatever I just tried to play for myself and I think that's why I made it made it to the top as well because I just thought about myself how did you feel about the Boris phenomenon the way he was handled after he won Wimbledon the first time <laughs> I think what he did was just great I mean still what he's doing he's a great tennis player he's a personality and this time he was one of the most important players for tennis in the world he had a he had a tough time I think with him exactly happened what I said before that he was 15 when he or 16 when he won it the first time and he had no time to to build up his own personality it was made by his manager and by his coach and stuff like that and uh, now he realizes I mean the way he behaves sometimes just uh, you, you feel that that he wants to just do what he wants to do just enjoy things he's doing enjoy playing tennis enjoy the life and then people say, how can he do that? Because you're not used to that. You're always used to that. Okay, Becker was playing this and this. He was winning, he was winning, and he was winning. And now he says winning is not so important for him anymore. He wants to play well. If he wins, it's great. But if he loses sometimes, it's not so important anymore. And he's doing it for eight years now. And he did so much for, for the tennis and for the German tennis. And I think uh, for us, all of us, it was a great thing he did and showed us a way maybe how to do it. How much did it help you that he'd been there before you, that he'd already done it and suffered all the problems and everything? For me, I think it was good. I mean, I was the second player to win Wimbledon, to be in the top of the world. and um, Second German player. Second German player. And um, so the people were still interested, but it all, all happened before. So it was nothing so new as it was when Boris did it the first time. And so I think it helped me a lot. What was it like to know you were going to face him in the final? I mean, your big match. You were facing your great rival. For me, he was not a rival at that time. And he he isn't right now. He is just a good tennis player. And we play against each other. I like to win. But it's not that I say, oh, that's Boris. I want to beat him so badly that I try to do everything I can. And that match, I mean, he was a favorite. I had nothing to lose. I was in the finals of Wimbledon, what was the biggest success ever. I just said, okay, just try to play your game and just play relaxed and enjoy being out there on the center court. And I think he was much more nervous than I was playing a countryman and mm. and just knowing he has to win. Otherwise, something very strange is going to happen. And that uh, was pretty tough for him to take, I think. Did he give you any advice before the match? Did he give you any advice before Wimbledon, before you really made it? No, I mean, he never thought, I think, that I can make it that far. And just out before the semifinals, I mean, after we didn't make it in French to have a German final I just said and, the, and Wimbledon okay just let's try to make it a German final it would be it would be a great thing but I think it would, he was very intense just knowing or being afraid of what might happen some people said he was very unfair to you in that final because of the way he behaved how did you feel about it uh, for me it was okay I mean it helped me a lot to build up my confidence and just to take confidence from him mm. he was just unhappy with the way he was playing with the way things went on the court and it just showed me that he was not not so concentrated and just built up my confidence. Do you think it helped then enormously that you were the underdog, as we say? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, it was just... I could go out there and just play relaxed. I had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Even if I would have lost, I would have been in the finals of Wimbledon. I mean, it's a great title to lose when you lose the match, but nobody expected me to win, maybe except myself but and my coach. But 
um, rather than that, everybody expected Boris to win the match. So for me, it was pretty good. We're always told that it's every tennis player's dream to win Wimbledon, even to play in the final. How did it feel at the time? Was it the biggest thrill of your life? When you're out there, you, you don't see or you don't feel what, what's happening around you. I mean, you just so concentrate on the match and on every point you play that you can't realize. I mean, I, I think I didn't even realize now what, what happened there nine months ago. I think you just can realize that when you really stop playing tennis and just look back and just say, uh, take the videotape and just watch it again and watch it again and say, hey, that was 91 and I did that at that time. Well, what, what happened? And then maybe when you're a spectator and know how it feels to be down there and you just concentrate on what happens around, then you maybe can see what what kind of feeling it is. Have you watched it again <coughs> many times on videotape? Uh, I watched it again. I mean, the last three months I didn't see it again, but uh, it's, it's a nice thing to, to do. When you watch it on videotape, do you sometimes worry that the ending may be different? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the good thing about that, I know the end, I know the end and that's always, uh, that's always the part I go to, to see the end. <laughs> I mean, when you watch it and you just think about the next year, maybe sometimes just knowing, okay, you go out there again, playing the first match, opening match on center court, and people expect you to do the same and you expect of yourself to do the same and try to defend your title and I mean that's going to be a tough thing to do but uh, I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Can you explain what it felt like the match point when you won and when you held the trophy up? Can you? No idea. <laughs> it's something you can't describe but it's just like in that moment when you do the when you have the match point you you finish the match you just do something maybe you thought about before, just going down on your knees or throwing your racket or running up to your coach, whatever these all these different players did. And it's just you can't you can't describe it. It's just a feeling knowing you did something really great but not really knowing what it is. It's like something you ever never can imagine before before you do it then. And it's getting more maybe a bit easier to realise it when you win it two or three or four times and it's getting a bit more normal but the first time I think it's just just a great thing how long did it take to sink in before you <coughs> realized you'd actually won Wimbledon uh it's still thinking <laughs> uh I realized now it took a couple of months before I really realized what was happening before you uh, try to understand why people behave differently why you have to do certain things now what people expect of you to do but uh I think really to realize that I just do it when I stop playing tennis there was a very emotional moment at the end of the match when you and Boris hugged each other. What did he say to you then, or did you say something to him? I think he just said that I played well and that I deserved to win. And for me, I wish I would just needed somebody to hack, and he was the only one who was on the court, so <laughs> I did it with him. And what was the first thing you did after? Did you telephone your parents here, or were they already at the match? No, there was, everybody was over there, and after the match, I just went to the locker room, saw my coach, and just... Had a glass of champagne with my coach. Mm -hmm. What about when you came back to Germany? Was there a tremendous reception for you, or did you already go off to another match? I did. After that, I went right away to the next tournament. That was, I think, a good thing to do for me because, I mean, okay, if I would have gone back to Germany, the press would have been all over me. Understandable. And so I was happy to get away a bit. I mean, I played in Gstaad in Switzerland the next tournament. And it was, I mean, a lot of people were there and wanted to talk to me, but that was okay. I enjoyed it being out there because it's nice out there. You still play tennis. You still do what you like to do. And that was good. And after that, the week after that, when I went to Stuttgart, it was pretty tough because I was very tired. And, I mean, the phone was ringing just the whole day. And But then after that, I mean, after I won Stuttgart, there was like a victory that was maybe more important than even Wimbledon for me to, to show myself 
I mean, you still can win after you had a big success. I mean, all the people say, okay, you have to take four weeks holiday now and whatever, buy a house at the wherever. I don't know what they tell you to do. And uh, I just said, no, I want to keep on playing. I mean, I love it and I'm playing well right now and I want to keep on playing. And winning Stuttgart was for me like as great as, as winning Wimbledon, winning a tournament in Germany when I never played well in Germany before, not too well. And uh, right away after a Grand Slam to win another tournament, I think it was was a great thing to do. How did you feel about all the attention heaped upon you after Wimbledon, all the press attention, everybody wanting to meet you and speak to you? How did you feel about that? Uh, pretty bored after a while <laughs> because the people start asking you the same questions over and over again. I mean, you still get asked the questions, what changed in your life after Wimbledon, like it's going to happen two years afterwards maybe. And that's what I can't understand. I mean, it's like... They expect you to say always a different thing. If you ask me now and you ask you in three months, you hope that I'm saying a different thing. And if I have an opinion, I have an opinion. I don't change my mind every every week or every day. And uh, that's what, what makes me a bit sick and just gets boring. Because, I mean, all these questions you get asked, you can read it in every paper. You just can make it one time and all the people can take it and just, just print it if they want to. But it's a, it was also fun, I mean, to, to know that the people appreciated what you did and just to get bit of the fame it's it's a nice thing too and just being re recognized and uh, it's, it's it's very nice too did you feel though that boris becker had already taken away a lot of the sort of glamour of the event and people just thought oh well another germans won it no i don't think so i mean all the people were even more surprised maybe winning like me winning wimbledon than maybe or the same when, when mm -hmm. boris did it but he took a lot out of it i mean it was like he did one it three times he was in the final six times and it was not that interesting anymore like it was before and it's getting less interesting maybe over the years but w Wimbledon is still the biggest tournament with the most history or the biggest history and uh, the biggest one you can win. A lot has been made of a rivalry between you and <coughs> Boris even since Wimbledon. Is there no truth in that at all? Well, we are rivals on the tennis court. If we're on the tennis court we like to win but if I see him on the street here I'm not going to hit him in the head or whatever. <laughs> I mean, we we get along pretty well, and I think we have to improve that relationship over the years. I mean, for him it was tough because somebody else was coming up, somebody else he know he can lose to every time he's playing me, and uh, that's something you have to realize. And now it's getting better and better. I mean, also in Davis Cup we have to try to stick together and just make the better out of it. I think we have one of the strongest teams in the world. If we both playing well, and we have with Charlie Steep, the great third guy on the team, and. It's just up to us to, to make the best out of it, but the press and the media just tries to put so much into it because that's the only thing you can do that makes writing important about Boris and me just to put something in there. Do you get upset by press reports when they're inaccurate and so on, or doesn't it bother you? It doesn't bother me too much anymore. I get upset when, when I know that people start lying on purpose, when they just lie and just write things that are not true, just to make something happen, to put something between me or Boris and just whatever, to write something about your girlfriend, something like that. That's things I can't understand because, I mean, everybody has his own life. I don't write something about this guy who writes an article about me. I don't write anything about you. I could do that, but I'm not interested. I mean, you live your life and I try to live my life and that I'm a person that is more in the public, that's in the publicity, that's for sure, but still, I mean, I have my, my personal life, my private life and... Uh, everything else okay what they write about my tennis uh, I mean I really don't care I know what I do I know 
why do it, and that's that's important. Certainly, before I met you, you seemed to be quite a shy chap. That's how you come across on television. Is it a problem, you know, being exposed to the world like this when really you'd rather just be your own man? It is always a problem at the beginning. I mean, I'm somebody who's I like to be alone. I just like to spend time for myself and just need the time for myself as well. And there's some other guys who'd like to be just uh, being with people all the time. And then uh, getting the feeling that all the people just want to talk to you and just uh, contracts and you have to talk to these people and do this and do that. That's not the way I like to do it. You have to learn it and you have to accept it because it's part of it. But uh, at the beginning it's tough, but then I think you learn how, how to behave and how to deal with it. Now, there's also a lot of girls suddenly want to meet you after you become successful. How do you feel about that? Um, I didn't have the problem too much, I must admit, and I'm not, I'm not too interested in it as well. I mean, it's it's nice to to get that feeling that you get uh, other people like you, but it's very tough to find out if they like you, if they like you as a tennis player. And for me, it's very important that somebody I'm together with, so I want to live with it this person really likes me as I am and not the tennis player, the guy with the money and the guy with the fame because then uh, I'm not interested in that and that happens a lot and that happens a lot of times and I think I have that image as well I mean people know that and that I'm pretty pretty yeah, mature and just have certain ways of thinking about that and so it didn't happen to me too many times. But when it has happened, what are the more extreme examples? Have you had sort of underwear sent to you in the post, that sort of thing? <laughs> no, nothing like that. Not at all. No. I mean, the the fan posts I get the most is from uh, yeah, from kids between, let's say, 13 and, and 15 or 16. That's like the age I, I get the most fan posts from. And uh, that, that's fun. I mean, sometimes you get a whatever bracelet or something like that, but it's nothing... Nothing really that somebody tried to started to get aggressive or just send me something to say, oh, I want to meet you, I want to do this, I want to do that. Never happened. Something like that never happened. Now, after Wimbledon last year, there was much made in the newspapers of you having two girlfriends, and now we hear you're a single man. What happened to those two girls? What happened to those two girls? Uh, normally, I wouldn't talk about that with you. Sure. Well, but one of them, we understand, had a nasty car accident. Is she okay now? Uh... I think so. Mm. But as I said, I'm single right now, and, uh, right. I, and that's really part of my life I never never start talking sure. about because it's just my own thing. Is, isn't it quite a lonely life you lead, though? I mean, going around hotel rooms, going around the world and so on, isn't, isn't it quite difficult? It is. I mean, it's getting boring. And uh, at the beginning, it was fun to be alone, just to see all the things, getting all the impressions you, and all the things you can learn but after a while it's just getting boring and you just really look for somebody maybe to hope to find somebody you can spend the time with and just uh, spend spend your life with and uh, it's tough because I mean either you have to give up something or the other person have to give up a lot of things but I mean it can work and it's just a matter of time to, to find to find the right person just to find the right time maybe to do it but it's it's getting boring to travel I mean that's that's the part of the game that I hate the most is just the flying from the plane every day or every week and just in a hotel and different hotels. It's getting really boring. Well, it always amazes me how you guys get away with jet lag. Do you suffer badly from jet lag? No, not anymore. I mean, your body gets used to that. I think you have certain ways to, to deal with the jet lag. I mean, you know what you have to do, how you like to do it, and if you stick with that, I mean, it's, it's not a big deal anymore.
It must be a problem, too, when you're travelling and working, you're actually playing against these guys. They must be rivals to a degree. Is it very difficult to be friendly with people you're going to be playing tennis against? I don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, I've, I play these guys on the court and I want to win, but that doesn't mean, I, I mean, I still can be friendly on the court. You don't have to hate your opponent, like Connor said once, if you want to win a match. I mean, I, I like to practice with these guys. I like to talk with these guys. I rather, I even like to go out with them maybe at night and just talk with them. And we don't have to talk about tennis, whatever, just about different things. But uh, tennis getting, yeah, pretty tough. I mean, the uh, rivalry is getting very, very hard. And other people think you have to, or you might give up just something from yourself when you talk with somebody else you just give him an advantage when you tell him oh, my foreign is not coming well or whatever but I think that these players I mean I know all the strengths and weaknesses of all the top 10 players I don't have to practice with them or just see how they do it I know what they can do or what they can't do and that's the same with me and uh, so I think it's a bit strange thing that uh, they are so so tight these tennis players some of them you say you go out quite a lot with some of your fellow tennis players. What do you do to relax away from tennis? What do you do to wind down? I play golf. I love to play golf a lot. and um, I mean, I play soccer as well, time by time, and just do some other things. And for me to relax is to listen to music. It's, uh, it's a way for me to relax. And I just take your time for yourself and for your friends and try to take care of your friends. It's very noticeable, sometimes, particularly with Boris Becker in 85, how they do look totally different the next year. They suddenly realise about image and how they appear and everything else. Have you become suddenly aware that you're being photographed all the time so you better look good, you better take care of your clothing and so on? You, you become aware of that, but for me, it's like like you said, the image The image is made by the media and by the press. You, you have no chance to make up your own image. People see different behaviours and they say, OK, he's doing that the whole time. Maybe you did it once. Like me saying after Wimbledon, I'm just a cool personality on the court. I never say a word. I mean, that's not me. I mean, I did it in Wimbledon because it helped me a lot to win the tournament. But I mean, I like to argue. I like to argue with the spectators, with the chair umpire and stuff like that. But I got that image and I have it. I don't know why. I, I didn't create it. And with the other stuff, I mean, I just do what I, what I like. I mean, I just dress the way I like it. And I, I don't care if, if other people like it or not. So do you think in that respect, too, you're much the same as you were before Wimbledon? Yeah, I think so. Do you like to sort of spoil yourself? If you spend some money on yourself, what sort of things would you buy? I rather like to spend money for other people, for my family or for friends, instead of for me. Because I mean, all the things I have, so many things. You get so many things also for free, and you you don't have to buy a lot of things. And if I buy something, I mean, I'm very into, like I said, into music. I like to buy CDs. That's my hobby. And uh, rather, I'm surprised you have to buy anything nowadays, Michael. Don't you get given a lot of things free like that? You do, but uh, it's a nice thing to get. But mm. I mean, sometimes you just think, why? I mean, y you are the person who can buy because you have the money, and mm. you always get something for free. And I just, uh, for myself, I like. I mean, I like antique stuff, like antique furniture and stuff like that. And that's what I'm trying to get into a bit, and just just spending things I, I really like, and uh, not buying a big car or something like that, just to show the people that you have a lot of money. I I, I even don't know how much money I have, so. Well, what do you think about the, the money aspect of things? I mean, tennis players are often criticised for earning far too much money. Do you think it's sort of gross, the amount of stuff you earn? Um, <laughs> it's always a good question. I mean, that's something I can talk about, I think, for hours. It's like, when you go to America, I mean, right now, when you see a baseball player earning $8 million a season, what for? Hitting a ball with a stick there and 
just what for is he getting the money and I mean even golf I mean they get so much money so much paid I mean when you see Greg Norman he earns 20 million dollars a year just by having contracts with companies and stuff like that box fight they get 50 million dollars a year for one fight or whatever and uh, for sure it's too much money we get for what we do for for the work we put in it's I mean it's not fair to get paid so much but the economy is paying the money rather than the companies pay the money there's going to be times I think in a couple of years when they say okay that's it we, we can't pay it anymore it's not worth it to pay it anymore but right now you can't blame anybody to take the money I mean everybody in our situation would take it the money is there and uh Who knows what the money is worth in about 10 years? Maybe we are the same with all the other people because the money is nothing worse anymore. And so um, it's a stupid thing to talk about again and again because it's paid. We have to take it and we take it because we... Doesn't it remove a motivation for you, though? You don't actually need to earn any money. You could actually retire now, couldn't you? I could, but I'm not playing because of the money. I'm playing because of the game and because I love playing tennis and I would even play if I just would get $10,000 a month or a year. I mean, it's a game I love and uh, that's the reason why I'm playing tennis. When you start playing tennis because of the money, that would be a reason for me to stop playing tennis. Now, you very charmingly said that you you like to buy things for your family. Did you say that, for instance, when you won Wimbledon, you'd buy your mother a car or something, <laughs> like Elvis Presley did? Or I gave her a present, but it's like... Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have to do that. I mean, I know the people who love me, my family, and they know that I love them. And it's not that you have to to buy them just because you had a success. I mean, it's just you. You can buy somebody something when you really like him, when you really feel okay. Now he did a great job for me. He just helped me out a lot, and just to show your appreciation that for what he did. But uh, I mean, like just like because you have a lot of money, people say, "Oh, you have to buy your mother this, and you have to buy your father." It's just stupid. That's not the way I see. I see it, and. I have a lot of years to spend my money and just <laughs> to see what happens. Do you have a nice house and a nice car, though? No, I don't have a house. I have a car, but I have a contract with a company, so with Opel General, Opel General Motors, and uh, I, I can't use a house right now. I mean, I don't have a family. What should I do with a house? So I have a nice apartment and on rent. I didn't buy one, and uh, that's all I need. Are you quite a good investor? Do you tend to sort of put things into the future, as it were? My parents do that for me. I mean, my father's into that a lot, and he helps me out a lot. And because mm. I have no idea, and I'm not, I'm not interested. Mm. Now, obviously, being a professional sportsman, you have to take very good care of yourself, and you look obviously in great shape. Is it a bore having to look after yourself all the time, or do you ever want to eat and just eat what the heck you like? I do. I eat what the heck I like. I mean, I like to eat chocolate a lot. I mean, that's my favorite food, and I like to drink Coca-Cola. And all this stuff, people say, oh, it's unhealthy and you shouldn't do it. But I feel comfortable and I feel good with it, and so I do it. I don't. might be better to watch out what you eat and it might help, but I feel I feel good the way I am. So you don't have a problem with chocolate or anything? No, not at all. What about um, the sort of high life? Do you Are you beginning to get into the sort of party scene and everything, or are you just still a quiet guy? No, I, I don't get into the kind of party scene at all. I mean, it's... Uh, Something I, I don't like. I mean, I don't like to be shown around and just to show myself around saying, ah, oh, that's me, that's my age, I have a lot of money and I'm the Wimbledon champ. And just getting a lot of friends just by that, you know, because you're just famous. And that's, I want to stick with the friends I have. They know me from the beginning on, like for the last five or six or ten years. And that's what's important for me. I mean, they know me as a person, as I am, and not just as a tennis player. Do you think you'll always live in Germany? Right now, I would say yes, but uh, you, you don't know what the time brings. 
What about the, the superstardom in sort of Los Angeles or something, or Hollywood, becoming a big actor? And <laughs> not at all. Not right now. <laughs> I can't think about it. Can we just talk very briefly about your taste in music and, and clothes or whatever else? Can you tell us what you enjoy? Uh, my taste in music is like I like everything from hard rock, heavy metal to, to classic, and just uh, a matter of the emotions I have or the feelings I have right now and then in that moment. And uh, clothes, just normal. I mean, I like to wear jeans. Sometimes I like to wear suit, normal shoes, boots, whatever. Just uh, what, what comes up day by day when you get up. Sometimes you feel like this, sometimes you feel different. What about in the future? Do you see a sort of point where you might retire eventually, or how do you view? For sure. I mean, I I have a certain plan how long I want to keep playing tennis and what I want to do, but you, you can't do that exactly because you don't know what really is going to happen. If I win Wimbledon two more times and maybe two other Grand Slams, three other Grand Slams, you say, okay, maybe play one more year, play two more years because you enjoy it so much. And maybe in one year, say, I'm so bored that I don't want to play anymore. But right now, I, I enjoy it a lot and uh, I want to keep on playing and uh, do that for a couple of more years. A lot of players have real problems when they stop playing, though. Are you already prepared for that? I think you can't be prepared. I mean, I have ideas what I like to do, what I want to do, maybe. But uh, that's something you shouldn't think about when you play tennis. I mean, you should do that, finish your first job playing tennis, and then you can think about something else. But I'm not afraid of uh, stop to stop playing tennis and not knowing what to do afterwards. What are you going to do? I mean, I have any interest. I want to stick with sports. I want to be in sports, maybe just doing some kind of management or advertisement or stuff like that. But just an idea. I, I don't know what comes up maybe in two or three years. Now, I know you don't like talking about your personal life, but would you like to be married one day with children and so on? For sure. I mean, that's, uh, I think, the most important thing in life for me. It is, I mean, to have family and to get married. And Who's your ideal woman, Michael? <coughs> I have one, but uh, you don't know her. <laughs> is there a film star or anybody no. that you'd like to meet? No, not at all. And what about children? Would you encourage them to go into sport? No, I would let them do what they want to do. So I want to feel like going into sports and do what they enjoy it then I help them out and I just try to bring them closer to it but if they want to start painting or I don't know what else I, they can do whatever they like to do Wimbledon coming up this summer again how do you feel about your prospects? I look forward to it I think it's going to be a lot of fun being out there I mean I don't know if I can win it again I know I can win it again but if, I, if I'm going to do it and I just try to really put all the, the energy and all the power I have into that try to defend my title and I just look forward to it. I'm not afraid of it at all. I think uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, let's talk about the, the sort of smart aspect of Wimbledon and all the show-offy aspects. How do you feel about all that? It's part of part of the history in, in Wimbledon, I think. And it's a nice thing. It's a tradition. I and mean, when you have to bow and just come in there and the, the royalties are sitting there. But it's just special. I mean, that way it makes the tournament so special as well. But we, when you would have that in, in every tournament you play, I think it would be a bit strange. What about the grass? Because a lot of the players don't like playing on grass. Obviously, you do. Do you? Th I mean, some people say it should be dug up, and that Wimbledon's an old tradition now and should be put into history. What do you think about that? I think there should be more tournaments on grass because we have so many clay court specialists, and if you play on clay, like to play on clay, you can play near the whole year. And uh, if you like to play on grass, like I, you can play three tournaments on grass. That's about it. So it's not pretty, pretty the same for everybody. But I mean, grass is a very tough surface to to treat and just to take care of and so that's I think that's the reason why they get away from grass a bit more but Wimbledon is just Wimbledon when it's on grass I mean if you take the grass away from, from Wimbledon then the tournament means nothing anymore 
Do you remember the first time you came to Wimbledon, what your impressions were? There was three years. I mean, I, I played my third time now last year, and it was just a great feeling. I went to see all the to see all the courts, just to see all the big players. It was the first time for me to see all the big players, being in the same locker room with them, and that was that was fun. Have you seen much of England and London? I love London. I mean, London is my favorite city. I mean, I've seen a couple of things for sure, not the whole thing, but I've, I feel very very comfortable when I'm in London. Several of the top players live in London, including Ed Berg and Cash. Would you ever consider doing that? No, I th- for that, I mean, I, I have my friends here in Munich and they are doing it because of tax reasons. And doing that, the tax laws in Germany are so tough. I mean, that's why I stay here still. I want to see my friends if I want to and I just want to go out with my coach to play some golf and do stuff that I just like to do and not have to think about it every time if you're allowed to do it or not. So that's why I'm going to stay here. How does the Boris Becker Monte Carlo scene grab you? I mean, he did it long before he became what he is now, and uh, that's okay. But, I mean, it's getting tougher and tougher to get away. And just the reason of the taxes, I have to give up so many things just to, to save money, and that's not worth it. I mean, I I've, I lose a lot of money right now because of the taxes, but I get a lot of things that are a bit more important for me than money. Because you travel around the world so much for your job, when you take a holiday, do you decide to stay in, in Germany? Yeah, I mean, I know I'm not too interested in just going to whatever South Africa or just to Mallorca or something like that and just spend some time I, I'd rather like go up to I mean where spend a lot of time on the sea anyway and uh, I like to do that and that's the best way for me to relax do you have any other places outside of Munich do you have any other houses anywhere or do you no, intend no, to buy any nothing. yeah for sure I do but uh, I have to find the right places and uh, just the right object where are your favorite places when you're traveling around the world playing where, where do you like to be I'm in London. London is my favorite place to go to. I mean, I like to play the tournaments in, in Germany, in Europe. Some tournaments in America are nice because they have not, not so much pressure out there. But I don't have, like, favorite tournament. And Memphis is my favorite tournament. It was my favorite tournament because I played well the first time and I won my first title. But not that I can say I mean, I have a real tournament where I like to be the most or whatever because for that you spend too much time in the hotel and just... Do you prefer to stay in the hotel, or do you like to go out and actually see something of the places you're visiting? Now, right now, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not the kind of guy that's doing like uh, some tourist stuff, just walking around and mm. doing some sightseeing. So, so I just uh, stay most of the time in the hotel. Go out sometimes, just look around. But uh, I keep that for for the time when I stop playing, maybe, and just do it as a holiday. Do you think people have a problem with their image of tennis players as being very glamorous and so on? And really, a lot of your life is, is quite boring, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, you have a lot of traveling, you have a lot of just hanging around, just hoping the time passes by. Mm. I mean, you can play tennis, and you, all the people always think you see so many things, but it's not that interesting. And uh, if you see the same city in the same place for the third and fourth and fifth time, I mean, you know the place, and uh, mm-hmm. so it's not too interesting anymore then. What do you think you would be involved in if you weren't involved in sports? Have you ever thought about that? Ah, no, I mean, it's like I wanted to study something like medicine or sports, medicine, something like that, but, I mean, you can't, you can't say that. I mean, I, I did sports and I'm happy with that right now. Now, thanks to you and Boris, German tennis and German sport has really taken off and been given a massive profile. British sport has never really done the same thing. Why do you not think that British tennis is successful? It's a tough thing. I mean... It's always a discussion about when the Swedish tennis was so great, they said, why is the Swedish tennis so good? When the German tennis came out, why is it? It's just, you can't, you don't have a way how to produce tennis players. It's just, I mean, there's some guys for sure in England as well who just like the sports, 
and just should go out there and try to play just for themselves and not just getting treated by the by the federation and just getting money and just getting help i mean they have to do it for themselves and just know what they do it for that they have to spend the money and uh, for sure a lot of good tennis players they just have to believe in themselves and try to make the best out of them